welcome to Progressive News Network here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Janine Moloff, and I am the producer and your host. This is our Sunday show. Uh, this week, we have a show that, while may seem a bit repetitive, I think is actually important. All right, you know, this past week, we have seen the, uh, what is it, the D.C. Court of Appeals finally ruled that you know, Donald Trump does not deserve absolute immunity for actions that he took while president or even after. Uh, you know, thank God. Of course, you know that's going to go to the Supreme Court, and the conservatives on the court are, you know, let's face it, irretrievably corrupt. All right, when you accept uh, basically houses like Clarence Thomas had for relatives from a rich donor or you get to go on, you know, overly expensive fishing trips like Samuel Alito from, again, another rich donor, or when your wife profits from the rich donor class like John Roberts' wife does, you know, once again, they are irretrievably broken. You know, you have Amy Coney Barrett, whose husband works for Big Oil as an attorney. She's compromised there. And this absurd idea that members, justices on the Supreme Court somehow are above any of these accusations of corruption is pure nonsense, okay? It, it just is. But we saw that this week. And, you know, the D.C. Appeals Court, they, you know, it was a three-judge appeals court. Uh, two of the judges, I believe, were um, Democrats and appointed by Democratic presidents, uh, one was uh, appointed by a Republican president, <clears throat> and they produced an an absolutely unanimous unanimous ruling on this. <clears throat> Sorry, folks. So we've got that going on, and I admit I, I'm just I'm really in a bit of a, a mood today. So you know, let's move on here. The title of today's segment is Trump must be barred from office. And I wrote, Trump is guilty of insurrection, period. He must be banned from holding any office ever again. This plea for sanity and justice goes far beyond Donald Trump. If Trump isn't made to face justice, his MAGA lynch mob, and yes, they are a lynch mob, they'll become bolder. So this story, I'm going to recap Trump's many crimes. I'm not going to go into too much detail because I'm sure all of you are a little tired of it, it'll also focus on the complicity of other Republicans. Let's face facts. Our democracy is at stake here. That is not hyperbole. It's truth. And this is our big story. Now, we have a second story that I didn't include in the advert. My mistake. And it deals with the role that several far-right groups have played in terms of ginning up the lynch mob. In other words, the way that slander has been used against various groups to incite Trump's lynch mob to greater violence uh, plays a role too. The fact that all these Republicans are so frightened of Trump, it's not because Trump has this genius. He doesn't. He's a thug and a stupid thug at that. But they're afraid of his lynch mob, and that's what his base is. The MAGA base is a lynch mob, pure and simple. They have no, zero credibility. Now, there's probably another reason why uh, so many politicians are afraid of Trump. Part of it is base, and part of it is 
his very intimate ties to Vladimir Putin. You know, there's no mystery here. Putin has a history of ordering hits, in other words, ordering assassinations on political rivals. And he uses often, sometimes it's uh, members from Putin's own military, sometimes it's the Russian mafia, to commit all sorts of vicious murders. There's, you know, one time one of the opponents, I think he was infected with radioactive materials laced into food that he got at a cafe. And he died a grisly death. So we have this going on. And, you know, every time a member of the MAGA base threatens a snowflake, threatens a member of, you know, the BIPOC group, BIPOC meaning black, indigenous, and people of color, anytime a member of the MAGA lynch mob threatens a member of the LGBTQ community or a teacher, a professor, whatever, especially if it's online, it should be traced to source. Because making those kind of threats, especially against federal officials, officials is a felony. Trace it to source and arrest the bastard and put them on trial and deny them bail because they, are a, they do pose a danger to the very people they threaten. This isn't rocket science. It truly isn't. The reason why the MAGA lynch mob has become so much more vicious and more animated is because not enough of them have been criminally prosecuted. Not enough of them have been basically put in jail to serve as a deterrent. Appeasement doesn't work. I know, I'm on a rant today. So that's our second story. And then we have, uh, and again, I made some mistakes on, on my advert because I changed this a bit. Um, we have our deplorable of the week, okay? And then we also have a jackass of the week. Now, our deplorable of the week actually isn't what the advert says. It's going to be ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, and one of their latest schemes. Our jackass of the week is a Missouri political hopeful, uh, a 24-year-old woman named Valentina Gomez Noriega. Now, she's a Republican candidate for the Missouri Secretary of State, and she made history online, that is, as Generation Z will do, for this infamy, really infamy, I think, for publishing, a, not publishing, she did a video where she took a flamethrower and burned books. Now, her objection to the books that she checked out from a library was their LGBTQ subject matter. And she defamed it and called it pedophile grooming. And the reason why I'm paying attention to her, besides the fact that she's just an embarrassment and obviously just a Nazi fascist, I'll say it, a Nazi fascist bitch, okay? But also because this ties in with the part about how the far right has used slander and defamation to not just animate, but to incite these MAGA morons to violence. And it's, 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 it's okay, having a stuttering moment. Give me a second here. Ah, I hate it. Okay, that type of slander not only incites people to violence, but uh, it's really vicious. It's horrible violence, okay? And people like Valentina Gomez Noriega 
they know what they're doing. She's not uneducated. She allegedly has a master's in business administration. She's educated well enough. She knows what she's doing. Absolutely. And I did look up her LinkedIn account, and she works for Nestle here in St. Louis. I wonder how her employer would feel about this kind of bad publicity. I'm all for doxing these bastards. I really am. So anyway, with no further ado, let's we're going to move into our story. I'm just going to take a little break for just a second. Give me a minute. Let's move on to our first story. Okay, so this is basically saying how Trump has to face justice for his crimes. Keep in mind, this man is facing over 90 criminal counts. 90. Now, do you, does any of you honestly believe Republican or Democrat makes no difference? Do you honestly believe that if you were a regular citizen, in other words, not rich, not a former president, do you really think that you would be able to skate on 90 counts of criminal activity? Do you really believe that they would have allowed you bail? Especially if you have a history of inciting people to violence, especially if one of the counts that you've been accused of is not mishandling, but taking top secret documents and placing them where anybody could see them. Anyone else, even a general, even the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, they would have been held without bail just for that alone. The SWAT team would have been at their home because this deals with our national security. And Donald Trump gets to go lounge at Mar-a-Lago? Oh, hail to the naw. Excuse my language, but I, I've just had it. So you'll see these attorneys for Donald Trump twist the law, okay? We saw with the alleged claim of presidential, absolute presidential immunity that St. Louis-based lawyer D. John Sauer make the argument that a president like Trump could even order SEAL Team whatever to assassinate a rival and never face any sort of legal accountability. Do you hear this insanity? Do you hear this criminality on the part of Mr. Sauer, one of Trump's lawyers? Seriously. That's not the claim of somebody who is a legitimate president. That's the claim of a would-be monarch, dictator, a Nazi. And I don't say Nazi lightly. But here, 
his legal team's been making these asinine arguments. It's almost as stupid as arguing what the meaning of the word is, is, as Bill Clinton was fond of saying. So, yes, I'm on a rant. So I have this breakdown of Trump's many crimes from CREW, which is the Citizens for Ethics, Org. Now, CREW is the group, through their lawyers, that brought these um, challenges to Trump, accusing him of, you know, basically breaking the law. CREW is the one that pushed the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, the Insurrection Clause, in court. They pushed it. And frankly, they were right. If you actually read Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, it says nothing about requiring prosecution. It just, I'm, I'm sorry, it says nothing about requiring convictions at all. Okay, and Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which is the Insurrection Clause, was, what clause was written to keep former Confederates out of government. You know, that is after their side murdered a president, namely Abraham Lincoln. But again, these alleged originalists who want to hold up the Constitution as his holy document. And, of course, the Supreme Court justice, the originalists are like the high priests of the sacred document. What absolute nonsense, okay? The fact is rule of law is not about original semantics. Rule of law is supposed to be about equal application of the laws to ensure justice and nothing else. So, of course, it has to grow as a document. If we just kept with the original intent, nobody would have rights, including voting rights, but nobody would have any rights except white, Christian, straight male to own property. That's it. The rest of us would be screwed. People of color and women would still be slaves. Now, while white women weren't technically slaves, legally they were the same status. They just couldn't be sold into slavery. Okay, so Crew brought this challenge saying that basically the insurrection clause was violated. And if you, again, if you read section three of the 14th Amendment, it says nothing about requiring conviction. So if you're an originalist, that argument saying, well, he has to be convicted in order to hold him accountable. No, that's not true. You can't add words that aren't already there. See, but the... Trumpers won it both ways. So this is a piece by um, members of CREW, citizensforethics.org. It's written by Bree Sparkman and Sarah Weitrack. And the headline just simply is of this report, Trump's 91 criminal charges and where they stand. It was published January 11, 2024, so it's not too old. A few things have changed since then. So as of December 2023, Donald Trump has been charged with 91 criminal offenses that, that are basically 91 criminal offenses in four criminal cases, okay? So the, these cases involve his attempts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. They also include election inter, uh, interference in Georgia. False, I'm reading straight from this, quote, falsifying business records in New York and, quote, mishandling classified records after leaving the presidency. It, it goes on to say, quote, Donald Trump is the first former president in U.S. history to be criminally indicted, end quote. Now, Richard Nixon came close, okay? That's why he resigned with basically a blanket, uh, 
a blanket uh, pardon, if you will, which Gerald Ford should have never done. See, Trump's running with what Nixon got away with over 40 years ago. Okay, Richard Nixon, if he wanted to resign, that's fine, but he should have been forced to face criminal indictment, period, as well as anyone that aided and abetted him. Had they done that, Trump wouldn't have been quite so bold. But, you know, Nixon, in my opinion, cut a deal with Gerald Ford. <coughs> and a regular person never would have been allowed to do that. That's not rule of law. That's extreme privilege for the rich and well-connected. And it is criminal in and of itself. Okay? So... They go through the charges, like on March 30th of 2023, there was a grand jury in Manhattan that approved this 34-count felony indictment against Trump, and this is the one for uh, accusing him of falsifying business records in what they call the first degree, quote, in connection with the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels, and that was made through Trump's attorney Michael Cohen as reported as legal expenses, okay? And the trial date is set for March 25th, 2024, end quote. Now, you have to realize people would say, well, this is a political witch hunt. No, it's not. These, this 34-count felony indictment in that one case alone came from a grand jury of people in Manhattan. It had nothing to do with politics. Maybe there were some partisans on the jury, but it wasn't, there weren't politicians. It was a grand jury. But see, the Republicans and the MAGA base are not only corrupt, but they're so effing immature, they can't take responsibility for their actions. You know, and again, I, I know I'm on a rant today, but, you know, if you look at the common denominator among MAGA, what I call MAGA morons, besides their extreme bigotry, okay, you find immaturity. They're very childish. Okay, they want their way. They don't care how they get it. You will hear when you bring up uh, logical points, and they'll go, yeah, but. Yeah, but? That's what a 10-year-old kid says, not an alleged adult. Yeah, but. What about? Because they can't take responsibility. Far too many Trump supporters are unable to behave as adults and take responsibility for their own actions. They just are. And that's one of the things that privilege grants them, all right? Basically, it's, it's like talking to a wall. And I, have, I don't, all these groups, all these people that are saying, try and get through to them. No, they're lost. Calling them a cult, and again, I'm digressing a bit. I realize that. Calling Trumpers a cult is too kind. Yes, do they have the characteristics of cultists? Yes, they do. But that almost lets them off the hook. They wouldn't have been really vulnerable to this particular cult if they weren't hateful bigots to start with. They cannot admit when they're wrong. They have to believe that they are the innocent party no matter what. Now, all of us like that. But, I mean, these people really, when they, when they call us snowflakes, they're just basically projecting their own snowflakery, if you will, onto somebody else. Because they are so psychologically fragile, they cannot see themselves as anything other than pure as the driven snow. And they're not. 
they were vulnerable to Trump's cult because they had hate in their hearts because they are hateful bigots. That's it. Now, maybe they'll change. I don't know. What I do know is that, again, letting them off the hook by calling them cultists, I think it's too kind. I just do. You know, I almost prefer the kind of bigots like, you know, back in the 70s, the character of Archie Bunker. At least he was honest about his bigotry. And you say, well, that's because, you know, these people will behave that way. And when Archie was faced with cognitive dissonance, he got angry, but then he started thinking. All right? But at the very least, at least Archie Bunker was honest about it. Whereas these Trumpers, they want to see themselves as basically, not like pure sturdy spell, but practically Christ-like. And they're not. They're the exact opposite. But in order to believe what they believe, they have to cast anyone else that disagrees with them as demons. Okay? This is a very dangerous time in America. It truly is. So when they say that, well, in these court cases against Trump, it's a witch hunt, a political witch hunt. Well, in the Manhattan, Manhattan case uh, where he's trying – sorry, I'm, I'm having a disfluent moment again. Give me a second. Ugh. Where he's basically facing charges of falsifying business records. No. He was – the grand jury approved these counts, every single one of them. So there's no political agenda there. Then on June 9, 2023, Special Counsel Jack Smith, I'm reading straight from the document again, charged Trump, quote, with 37 felonies related to his handling and refusal to return hundreds of documents containing classified information, end quote. This is the one where the judge should have denied bail. You know, when reality winner tried to whistleblow and leak, you know, what was going on that was wrong. The SWAT team came to her home and they overreacted and she was denied bail first. Trump, what Trump did is much worse. You know, I don't care if you're a Republican or not. If you have loved ones in the military, guess what? Their safety's been compromised because of Trump's action. Trump has been intimately connected to Vladimir Putin as documented by two very in-depth books written by uh, journalist Craig Unger. I have them here. And, I mean, these both have extensive bibliographies. One is um, The House of Trump, House of Putin, The Untold Story of Donald Trump and the Russian Mafia by Craig Unger, New York Times bestselling author. Craig Unger is also the author that wrote House of Bush, House of Saad, and the other book is, um, let's see, American Compromat, How the KGB Cultivated Donald Trump and Related Tales of Sex, Greed, Power, and Treachery. Okay? Again, heavily documented. This is not somebody picking on poor, dumb Donnie Trump. He has intimate relations with Vladimir Putin. Russia is still an enemy state. Make no mistake about it. You know, I think it's funny that the Republicans see communists at every turn, but the communist state headed up by a communist dictator, they are ready to embrace. Can anybody possibly entertain the idea that one of the reasons Donald Trump may have stolen those records, again, may have, 
Could it be because did Donald Trump sell our secrets to Putin and other enemies? Or did Donald Trump just hand over our secrets to Putin and other enemies um, as a condition of keeping his secrets? There are questions that definitely should be asked. I'm aware of the fact that uh, President Biden was recently investigated about mishandling of documents when he was vice president under Obama. He wasn't charged. Um, and again, you know, if there was wrongdoing, yeah, he should face it too. I'm not saying give anybody any sort of, of um, favored treatment. Okay, he broke the law, he broke the law. I think there's a problem with our system because presidents have far too much power. You know, there's no one to appeal to at the executive level. And the fact is, rule of law should be supreme. Presidents shouldn't be like elected monarchs, and that's kind of what they are. You know, once again, um, you know, special counsel Jack Smith charged Trump with these 37 felonies, uh, you know, related to not only the mishandling of of our, docu- our top secret documents, but his refusal to return them. And now we found out recently that there's this little secret room that mainstream media has been talking about. It's not a secret room. In fact, there's a lot of electronics. I suspect it's what they call a wiring room. And a wiring room is where all the, just that, the computer's wiring is. And, you know, I think we need our best hackers to see what Trump was sending. Seriously. Now, Jack Smith also charged Trump's personal aide, Walt Nada, with several felonies as well in that uh, document's case. And then on July 27, 2023, another grand jury issued, quote, a superseding indictment alleging additional Trump charges against Trump, Nada, and a man named Carlos de Oliveira, who was the head of maintenance in Mar-a-Lago. Get this, alleging they conspired to delete security footage, end quote. And that trial is supposed to be set for May 20th, 2024. Unfortunately, in, um, you know, Judge Aileen Cannon's court, and she has been basically stalling for the Trump team. She really should be replaced. She's inexperienced. She doesn't know what she's doing. And frankly, I think she's corrupt. But once again, this is what we're dealing with here. And, you know, deleting security footage, hiding evidence, all this. this is evidence tampering. It's a crime. In fact, it's a felony. So why are these people being detained? Not only Mr. De Oliveira and Mr. Nada, but also Mr. Trump. This is dealing with national security. This one case alone should have resulted in them being detained and Trump's assets being frozen. We're not supposed to play with national security because that puts our military personnel in danger. So I don't understand why this is going on. Okay? Now, on August 1st, 2023, Sten charged Trump with, quote, four federal criminal counts, and this was after a grand jury investigation into his uh, Trump's attempt to overturn the 2020 election, culminating in the January 6th insurrection. I'm just reading from the document now, quote, in October 2023, Trump claimed in the case that he had absolute immunity from prosecution for actions he took as president, but Judge Tanya S. Chutkin, the trial, the trial judge in the case, rejected 
Trump's claim of absolute immunity, finding that, quote, neither the Constitution nor American history supported the contention the former president enjoyed total immunity from prosecution, end quote. So predictably, Trump's legal team uh, appealed the ruling, and the D.C. the D.C. appeals court heard the arguments, and it wasn't reported in this document, but about a week ago, but last week they said, no, he doesn't have absolute immunity. It's absurd. Okay, and it was a unanimous decision of all three judges. And that was the absolute, that was the case where D. John Sauer for Trump claimed that uh, upon questioning from Judge Florence Pan about the SEAL team comment. Okay, so Judge Florence Pan of the D.C. Circuit Court asked John Sauer for Trump, does this mean if he has absolute immunity that he could have ordered the assassination of political rivals and that would have been permissible? And Mr. Sauer said, well, yeah, it could be. And Mr. Sauer was claiming the only way you could uh, hold the president accountable, even if they abuse power that much, would be to not only impeach him, but then convict them, you know, in the Senate, which is a totally political process. And Mr. Sauer's not stupid. He knows that the impeachment and then impeachment happens in the House of Representatives. And the conviction after impeachment, after a successful impeachment, happens in the U.S. Senate. Both are political processes, no matter what they say. That's not the same as a court of law. Mr. Sauer was arguing the fact that a president could get away with murder. And keep in mind how dangerous this, arg this argument is, okay, how incredibly dangerous. Because presidents also have monopolistic power over our nuclear arsenal. A lot of Americans don't realize that. Or if they do, they kind of shrug it off. The president is the only one who makes the final decision whether or not to use nuclear arms, whether to drop the bomb, period. That level of power should never rest within one, with one person. That is insane. And that needs to change also. So if you take the argument that John Sauer had that a president can get away with anything, including mass murder, and the only way they can be held accountable is if they're successfully impeached and then convicted in the Senate. And then after that, then you can try them for whatever. You're literally saying that, one, it's dependent on a political process with partisans that are never going to do that. What, think about this for a minute. Think, about, think like a mafia boss like Trump does. Let's say a president commits mass murder and members of the House impeach him or her, but then in the Senate, the president lets them know some of them start disappearing. And it's tied to the president, but guess what? He hasn't been convicted yet, so he can get away with kidnapping them and murdering their families. You really think they're going to vote to convict him? Think real hard about this one for a second. Talk about asinine arguments. And then you've got the issue that a president has a virtual monopoly over our, our nuclear arsenal. It is only the president that makes that decision. Total power. As far as I'm concerned, while Mr. Sauer as an attorney has a right and a responsibility to give a vigorous defense to his client, no matter how vile his client may be, to make that level of argument, which he knows, which anybody with common sense knows, is an endorsement 
of a dictator, as far as I'm concerned, Mr. Sauer should, have, should be permanently disbarred from making that argument, at least sanctioned, seriously. That's a bastardization of the legal profession. And this is something that is really a big bugaboo with me. I mean, I'm presently working on a journalistic book where, yes, it, my book is going to be an indictment of the legal profession, especially corporate attorneys, how they bastardize their licenses to do things they know are wrong, to basically break that trust they have as officers of the court. And a lot of Americans kind of giggle at that, you know, because we're so cynical. It's like, sure, yeah, right. But attorneys are officers of the court. And depending on where they're licensed, yes, we have the right and we have the power to, yeah, rhythm of their licenses if they abuse that, that privilege. Being an attorney is not a right, it's a privilege. So this is what we're talking about here. There's so many more charges against Trump, it's not even funny. Okay, but I wanted you to get a feel for what this is. Okay. So there's a table here that Cruz supplied. Okay, let me kind of scroll down here. Where did it go? Oh, Lord have mercy. Mm -hmm. I've lost my place. Oh, here it is. Okay. So think of these charges. Okay, I know it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse, but not only did Trump commit fraud in New York, okay, but he is accused of extreme evidence tampering. He is accused in the documents case with, you know, potentially committing high treason, you know, putting our national security at grave risk. You know, some of those documents were beyond top secret. They were called, they required a skiff, which is a secret little uh, compartmentalized room that has been swept for all sorts of recording devices. And it's so secretive that even U.S. senators have to not only sign something, but they can only go in there with a little piece of paper and a pencil. I kid you not. And I found that out from former Congressman Alan Grayson when he was in office. Some of the documents pertain to nuclear capacity. Now, Trump claimed that he had the power to um, declassify things by just thinking about it. Okay, this is where... I'm going to say a bad word. That, that claim by Trump is not only asking, it's so effing retarded, I can't believe it. Okay, I'm just going to say it. it. It just is. But even if you took the declassification argument, and let's just say, well, he declassified, he claimed that, and you've got to look back at the documents, there is one particular um, category of document that the, no president may unilaterally declassify without Congress, and that's anything pertaining to nuclear. So just on those nuclear documents alone, we got them. Okay, we got them. But once again, his legal team keeps claiming this nonsense. It's just, it's unbelievable. Okay. Um, you know, and then you've got basically Trump's incitement of insurrection. His side... There was like 60 cases that were brought, amicus briefs brought by various Republican attorney generals and some other groups, okay? 
There was an amicus brief or a friend of the court brief brought by now Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. There was also an amicus or friend of the court brief brought by RAGA, which is the Republican Attorney General's Association, and several of those cases were brought by now U.S. Senator Mike, um, I'm sorry, Eric Schmidt. They lost 60 cases. Their, the election was not stolen. This is just, but they keep pushing it, and they keep pushing it, and I'm so tired of it I could scream. Okay? Um, these are serious accusations. Our national security has been seriously violated. And again, we're still playing with this, and you still hear Republicans making excuses. Okay, this is, they, they refuse to do their duty. Okay? And the Trump mafia style is so, it's so entrenched, if you will, that in one of the cases, I think it was Judge Kaplan, as the case ended, he told the jurors, he, he advised them, whatever you do, do not disclose that you served on this jury. And he did so for their safety. Legitimate people don't behave this way. Okay? That's what we're talking about. So let's move on. Uh, you know, again, I, I, you can check the document yourself, but think about what I'm saying. All right? So now we're going to move on to our next story, and I'm going to take a little break while I get that documentation together. back. So the next story again is from Crew and also a publication called One Colorado. This story took place in Colorado uh, and it is actually a report and the headline of the report, if Dan corrected, is Democracy Denied, How Right-Wing Extremists Are Endangering Coloradans and Our Democracy. And it was published January 22, 2024. Okay. And what they're talking about here, just as an example, is the uh, massacre at what was called Club Q in Colorado, in fact, in Colorado Springs specifically. So in Colorado Springs, there's just one nightclub, if you will, or venue for the LGBTQ plus community, and it's called Club Q. Now, apparently this happened November 19, 2022, uh, it was the weekend, and people are going to Club Q, um, and, you know, people are just finding this place, you know, in their community as uh, a refuge, if you will, because normally, according to the story, they're spat on, screamed at, threatened, and preached at, and that is just documented by, um, you know, let's see now, this was insider.com. And the Club Q, there was a shooting and a massacre, and the Club Q shooting suspect apparently routinely deployed homophobic rhetoric, okay? In fact, a lot of alleged Christian ministers do too. So 
So if you go to the insider story, uh, Business Insider, it says, because this is going back to this massacre at Club Q. Um, and the headline is, Preached at, Spat on, Threatened, Colorado Springs Transgender Community Grapples with the Club Q Attack. The center of anti-trans vitriol Colorado Springs was ripe for violence. Okay. And so this is, you know, they, they, I'm just reading from this. It's, and it's written by Hannah Beckler. It says, quote, you stand in line at the grocery store and notice a man holding his child's hand, turned to glare at you with naked disgust. You are riding the bus when a man shouts Bible verses at you, calling you an abomination while the other passengers look away. You avoid public restrooms, afraid you'll be attacked if you use one. You get asked to leave the close-knit congregation where you dedicated decades of your life. You are told your former church is changing its bylaws to discourage you and other transgender people from attending services. You receive three death threats. Your home is ransacked. Your family, including your mother, refuses to speak with you. You are preached at, hissed at, sneered at, and spat at. You are called a groomer and a pedophile. You are compared to an animal. You get the shit beaten out of you. To be transgendered in Colorado Springs is to live under siege, end quote. Uh, and I want to point out the fact, especially the, the accusations of groomer and pedophile. Okay, this is truly, these are dangerous accusations. It's probably nothing, except calling somebody a mass murderer, it's nothing worse you can call somebody. If people know what a groomer is, a groomer is somebody who gets a kid ready to be raped by a pedophile. So they're both horrible. And to call anyone a groomer or a pedophile is to set them up to be violently attacked. This type of slander should not be allowed. This isn't free speech. You know, free speech does not include the right to slander, libel, or defame. It also does not include the right to incite violence. Okay. I'm going back to the Business Insider um, article. Quote, but in the middle of all that was Club Q. Club Q was a refuge, an island, several transgender and gender nonconforming locals told Insider. Queer or straight, cisgender or transgender, fabulous or farmhand, everyone was welcome here and made to feel safe. Until that day in late November, just hours after a punk drag performance on the eve of Transgender Day of Remembrance, when a shooter entered Club Q and opened fire. I'm going on with this article. Anderson Lee, quote, Anderson Lee Aldridge, 22, is accused of murdering five people that night, including two transgender people, Daniel Afton and Kelly Loving, and wounding 17 others. The shooting also robbed the community of its sanctuary, end quote. And that was the intent. Make no mistake about it. It's not just they want to make these people be hunted. They want them to feel hunted, Okay. According to Business Insider, Colorado's been referred to as the hate state. And this is, the, this is part of the article, quote, the hate state. Quote, Colorado Springs wasn't always an epicenter of homophobic and transphobic vitriol. But in 1984, Ted Haggard founded his New Life Church here, which grew to more than 10,000 congregants as he lobbied against same-sex marriage. Focus on the family, the conservative ministry and media powerhouse moved its headquarters to Colorado Springs in 1990 its 45-acre campus becoming a national base for an increasingly political Christian right. Soon the city became home to more than 100 Christian right ministries, many of which have incubated anti-LGBTQ rhetoric and mobilized against LGBTQ rights in the decades since. Uh, and it, it goes on, okay, to the point where 
Colorado has, quote, earned the moniker the hate state, end quote. So this ties directly in with Christian fundamentalism. And the messaging coming from these Christian right ministries is really horrible, okay? Um, I'm going to go back to this article here. Uh, the quote, the widely, I'm sorry, through widely circulated pamphlets, slide decks, and podcasts, Focus on the Family, which is also there, now provides resources on how to advocate for your parental rights and opposing protections for transgender kids at school, supports conversion therapy for transgender youth, and reinforces anti-transgender messaging to millions of followers and millions more congregates of aligned evangelical churches nationwide. Such messaging is familiar at local Christian right ministries such as The Road at Chapel Hill and The Church at Briargate. At The Road, which is deeply involved in local politics and puts together Christian voter guides, the senior pastor, Steve Holt, has preached that transgender identity is, quote, demonic, the result of massive evil. Scott Bottoms, the pastor at Briargate, was elected as a state representative in November. He has called drag performers pedophiles and said that the death penalty is too nice for pedophiles. Um, insider asked Bottoms, that's basically this, um, the pastor at Briargate, if he was concerned about the impact of his rhetoric on transgender people. Um, and the way Bottoms responded with the following, quote, people that try to push our children to be transgenders and bring transgender dancers into our schools are pedophiles. Uh, he also went on to say, quote, people that are pushing hormone therapies and surgeries on our children are pedophiles and should be treated as such, end quote. So you can see not only the misinformation, the lunacy of the stupidity of this, but the hate. Because at the, end, at the bottom of this, these Christian fundamentalists basically hate anything that deviates from straight marriages that basically have mandatory pregnancies. That's it. It's really that, that you know. And this is nothing new. I mean... People fail to understand that the first community that Hitler attacked wasn't Jews. It was transgender people because some of the actual medical um, uh, medical procedures were developed in Germany and in the 30s. And when they did the book burnings, the first book burnings were basically burning medical books on transgender procedures. Okay, this ties directly in with Nazism. You can't separate it all. Um, and the messaging is very violent. Make no mistake about it. Okay, so we're going to go back to the original piece. You know, again, the the Club Q massacre was just that. It was a massacre, and it, it is directly traced to these Christian fundamentalists. They're the ones that are not only preaching hate, but they are inciting violence. And, you know, they claim religious liberty. That ain't religious liberty. That's inciting violence, period. You can believe what you want, but you don't have a right to, when you incite violence and violence results, yeah, you could be facing felony murder charges, and they should. Okay? Now, according to Crew, they said the Club Q attack, quote, did not occur in a vacuum. And it didn't. These groups <coughs> that are funding not only these religious zealots, 
but, quote, many of the same political, financial, and organizational forces that fuel attacks against the LGBTQ plus community are also fueling attacks against other marginalized groups and against our democracy writ large, including the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, end quote. And Crew's right. Crew goes on to say, quote, January 6th was the result of a movement predicated on invalidating BIPOC, um, and BIPOC meaning black, indigenous, and people of color. Um, so let me go back to that again. January, quote, January 6th was the result of a movement predicated on invalidating BIPOC, black, indigenous, and people of color Americans' vote and undermining all marginalized groups' rights to participate in our democracy, end quote. And it's true. It is absolutely true. Um, Crew also quoted, excuse me, the, um, they have a, a statement here from the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. They, the, um, so let me go back here. So the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund provided a statement of explanation to the select committee to investigate the attack on the U.S. Capitol. And this is what they said, quote, the goal of the insurrectionists was clear, to effectuate a violent coup, deny the will of the majority of voters, and upend the functioning of our increasingly multiracial, multiethnic democracy, end quote. And it's true. You know, there's, there's no guesswork here. You know, everybody that was involved in the insurrection needs to be prosecuted. And I realize there's some people who compare it to Black Lives Matter protests. They burned buildings. Okay. Here's the thing. When Ferguson broke out, I was down there practically every day. I won't say every day because I may have missed a few. <clears throat> and, yes, there were buildings that were burned. But those of us who actually knew the leaders, nobody knew who those people were. We may not have known each other by name, but we recognized each other's faces. So, yeah, buildings were burned, but they weren't burned by anybody with the movement. But see, again, when you fail to provide context to a story, it's easier for people to jump to that conclusion, especially if people are basically uh, predisposed towards racism and other bigotries in the first place. That's what they want to believe. And no, it's not the same thing as January 6th. Black Lives Matter and the Ferguson protests were about local events, and they were about making the police actually obey the law. Whereas January 6th was about, yeah, a coup. It was about overthrowing the government. It was about preventing a vote of the electors in the House, period. There's no guesswork here. <coughs> So, and evangelicals in particular have been successful in attacking, especially the uh, LGBTQ community, okay? There is a, um, an article here under, from the Southern Poverty Law Center under their Hate Watch report, and, they had, and it was written November 22, 2022, and the headline reads, Colorado Springs, far-right influencers made LGBTQ people into targets. This is, again, about the Club Q, you know, you know, Club Q massacre, okay? And these are basically anti-LGBTQ plus influencers that are channeling hate, okay? It, everybody from Daily Wire's Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro to Candace Owens, 
you know. And again, there's also Hayaraychik. You know, they these people they make these statements. They don't come out and they say, "I want you to go out and murder trans people." They're not that stupid. Okay. Instead, you have Matt Walsh saying things like, "What is a woman?" And I feel like telling the man, "Well, you are married and have some kids. You don't know by now, baby. I don't think you ever gonna." But you know, the bottom line is they make these pseudo-innocent comments knowing full well that what they're saying is insightful. You know, they're using coded words, knowing that it's going to register with these people that are ready to murder. Okay? It's what they say, while they may not be actually lighting the fuse themselves, they're providing the lighter to those who would. Okay? <clears throat> they may not be striking the match to to cause the arson, but they're making sure the matches are available to those who will do it. And, you know, you have a responsibility. Now, I don't know if it's at a criminal level, but I think professionally that, yes, they could, they should face, you know, censure. Okay? You've got higher right chick, which I'm embarrassed to say is a Jew. You know, sometimes when I look at people like higher right chick or, um, or what's that other one? Um, the one Trump loves so much. I can't remember Nina, or people like Stephen Miller. <coughs> this is an aside, but you know, in Judaism, the, you know, in Catholicism, there's such a thing as excommunication. Whereas, you know, you can kick them out. We don't have that in Judaism. I kind of wish we did, because people like Stephen Miller and Haya Reichick, yeah, they should be kicked out. They make the rest of us look bad. Reichick has posted. Uh, According to this report, since er, quote since early 2021, Reichick has posted a stream of transphobic and homophobic messages on platforms including Twitter, Facebook, Substack, and far right favorite Gab under the pseudonym of Liz of TikTok. Her typical operating procedure involves spotlighting LGBTQ users on the platform TikTok, especially trans people, and targeting them individually for mockery and abuse. <coughs> Excuse me. It goes on to say, quote, she helped popularize the anti-LGBTQ slur groomer, which falsely equates non-heterosexual sexualities and non-cisgender gender identities with pedophilia, end quote. And this is the truly dangerous part of what she does. <clears throat> there is absolutely no connection between uh, being trans or gay and an increased rise in pedophilia. In fact, more pedophiles are straight and cisgendered. has nothing to do with that. But by using that term groomer, you know, Reichick thinks she's getting around the law, and, and she's not. Okay, this is making them into targets. You know, it, it's this is the 21st century, look at this way, this is the 21st century equivalent of back in the 1950s, a white woman's shrieking, that a black boy raped her, like a young boy, like think Emmett Till. Okay, Emmett Till was the story, I think he was 12 years old when he was murdered, and he was visiting relatives in, I think, Mississippi, don't quote me, and this white woman accused him of making some sort of pass at her and trying to, like, molest or rape her. Now, kid's 12 years old, he's a, he's a child, and because she screamed rape, the lynch mob went after this child, and they murdered him viciously. So calling someone a groomer is basically, in the LG, 
calling calling a trans person or a gay person groomer is tantamount is just like in yesteryear calling a black person a rapist when there's no evidence to back it up. That's what we're talking about here. You can read these reports yourself, but this is what is happening. Okay? And this is the danger. <coughs> Reichick did some more. Uh, as, let's see, it's documented by ABC 10, which I guess is a local affiliate ABC. Um, excuse me. Yeah. Basically, um, I lost my place here. Oops. Okay, I lost my place. <coughs> Here it is. Okay, according to Southern Poverty Law Center and ABC, uh, later this, apparently the same month as the Club Q massacre, massacre, additional members of the Proud Boys, quote, tried to break into a bar that was scheduled to host a drag event after Rychik alerted her followers to the event. Okay, it goes on to say, quote, also in June, Hate Watch reported that Rychik had posted about a pride event in Cordaline, Idaho, days before police thwarted an attempted disruption of the event by white nationalist hate, hate group Patriot Front. Security experts, as it goes on to say from Southern Poverty Law Center, quote, security experts have described Rychik's output as stochastic terrorism, by which they mean that her hateful rhetoric is calculated to promote violence in some proportion of her followers. It goes on to say, quote, her posts frequently contain false information. Rycheck has presented fake curriculum materials as if they were real and presented covert recordings of uninformed responses from non-medical hospital staff. Non-medical hospital staff as if they represented treatment policies at the facility. Okay. Um, this is what we're dealing with here. All right. Now, according to, again, Crew. They also pointed out that another right-wing podcaster, Tim Poole, also went to Twitter, and he was spreading lies about Club Q grooming children, um, which, again, has no truth. It's sort of ironic, too, because Tim Poole used to work with Occupy. Okay, I don't know how he converted over to the dark side, but he did. And, you know, I think this is just how he makes a living because – you know, he's a self-professed high school dropout, you know, and he's not stupid, but you would think that he would actually, I don't know, get an education and do something with his life other than cause trouble, but that's what he did. Again, according to Crew. Uh, also, according to Crew, they talk about Jenna Ellis, who is, um, who was a member of Trump's elite strike force team, one of his lawyers, but Ellis was also a former deputy district, district attorney in Weld County, Colorado. Um, and she said that, allegedly said that the victims of Club Q were, quote, now reaping the consequences of having eternal damnation because they weren't Christian, end quote. Again, this is what we're dealing with here, folks. There are key anti-LGBTQ plus groups currently operating in Colorado, according to Crew. One is the Faith Education Committee, or FEC United, they're an anti-LGBTQ plus hate group founded by Joel, Joe Altman. Um, okay, it's le the group's less than two years old, but it has a big, it's really, really grown in Colorado, um, and it's become the, quote, the center of a new far-right movement pushing the state's 
Republican Party further towards election denialism and other extremist positions. Um, okay. Okay. So FEC United, um, this podcaster, they're also tied to, uh, I lost my place here, they're also closely tied to the United American Defense Fund. Um, I'm sorry, they're closely tied to the United American Defense Force, as documented by the Washington Post. And um, so basically, John Teagan, who was a former Blackwater contractor and a Benghazi survivor, um, helped, was also found a founder, apparently. Um, you know, this is kind of crazy, okay? Um, you know, you've got a conservative daily podcast, which is SEC United, Joel Oltman, Jake Angeli, who is a QAnon shaman, uh, and Max McGuire was on one one uh, program who claimed teachers are recruiting kids to be gay, end quote. <coughs> this is, oh, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. It was Oltman that suggested it. Um, Oltman himself, who, again, is the founder, you know, of SEC United, um, has claimed that Colorado teachers are, quote, recruiting kids to be gay. And that's according to CS, csnd.com. Uh, Altman's gone on to also claim that LGBTQ teachers should be, quote, dragged behind vehicles until their limbs fall off, end quote. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and that's is documented by salon.com. Altman also frequently directs vitriol towards elected officials including uh, a tirade about Colorado Governor Jared Polis, who's openly gay, um, and that's according to coloradonewsonline.com. Um, regarding Governor Polis, Altman has suggested that, quote, stretch that rope. Okay, these people are serious. <clears throat> Excuse me. You have the group Moms for Liberty, who has also pushed hate against the LGBTQ community. Patriot Front, another one. They're a white nationalist hate group, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Um, and they have what's been called, quote, an explicitly fascist agenda. Um, and they really, really became far more vocal after the neo-Nazi Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Um, you know, according to the Anti-Defamation League, quote, no other white supremacist group in the United States today is able to match Patriot Front's ability to produce media, mobilize across the country, and finance its operations. The group has had a conspicuous presence across Colorado as its members have spread propaganda in Colorado Springs and vandalized public establishments holding LGBTQ plus events. Um, and it goes on and on and on. Okay, you get the drift here. You've got focus on the family. We're going to talk about this at another time, but I wanted you to understand the real point that I'm that I'm making here. Let me just get rid of some of this here. The real point that I'm making at, uh, about this story is the fact that slander and libel and defamation has been used 
especially with the accusation of groomer and pedophile, to incite people to deadly violence. And this is something that can no longer be tolerated. No, it's not free speech. Okay. Uh, in fact, when you slander, libel, or defame somebody with such in it as such an inflammatory charge of groomer or pedophile with no evidence, you're just charging an entire group of people with this. If violence ensues and the people that spread the rumor, yes, they can be tried for felony murder. The same as they took a gun to someone's head and blew it off. And they should be. Okay? This is... Free speech doesn't mean you don't have responsibility for what you say. It just doesn't. Okay. So we're going to move on here. All righty. And this report was written in collaboration with One Colorado and CREW, citizensforethics.org. Okay. All right. So now we're going to move on to our deplorable of the month. Okay. I'm going to take a minute here. Let's see. Okay. Okay, and we're back. So now our deplorable of the month, and I'm sorry I don't have sound effects for that. It's been kind of a rough week here. Our deplorable of the month is a group called ALEC, or the American Legislative Exchange Council. Now, there was an article that was published last week, February 5th, uh, in The Guardian, which is a very good British newspaper. And uh, it is a piece that's written by Chris McGreal. And the headline reads, Secretive U.S. right-wing group ALEC designs law to give big business complete immunity for bad acts. Group who wrote model legislation to restrict lawsuits under public nuisance laws used to hold opiate makers and others to account. Okay, so here's the deal with this. There's this thing called public nuisance law. So, you know, if you've ever wondered how after decades, for instance, tobacco industry lying about the fact that their product is carcinogenic, that tobacco causes cancer, okay? Decades after lying, we were finally able to hold them accountable, all right? Or, you know, if, for instance, uh, you had a company of dumping toxics into your drinking water, how were we able to hold them accountable? Well, it has to do, especially at a local level, it has to do with these public nuisance laws or how to hold opioid manufacturers responsible, and they lied to, you know, doctors about how addictive their product was. Now, the American Legislative Exchange Council, otherwise known as ALEC, is this group that is it's funded by large U.S. companies, corporations, and they're known as a bill mill, okay? They write what they call model legislation. Think of a template, okay? Let's say you're going to take a test and somebody gives you a template with all the answers on it and all you have to do is kind of fill in the blanks with whatever you want. That's kind of what ALEC does. You know, these are the bills that they provide and these local legislatures, state-level legislators take advantage. So, you know, if, for instance, you live in a state where people can open carry, thank ALEC for it. 
you know, if you, you talk about stand your ground, the castle document, the castle doctrine, thank, you know, thank Alec for it. Um, right to work legislation, thank Alec for it. Um, you know, you can, you can name several things, you know, laws, local laws or state level laws that, for instance, require certain types of ID to vote. Thank Alec for it. State level laws where basically, um, you know, if you are protesting uh, a company that is causing environmental damage and you can be charged with a felony now, thank Alec for it. In fact, the heads of ALEC usually operate out of this other law firm known as Shokardi and Bacon, which is a very large law firm. Now, I'm not saying Shokardi and Bacon is totally responsible. I'm saying the heads of ALEC come from that law firm, okay? So this is really what we're talking about, and this is, real, this is truly abominable, okay? So I'm going to read straight from the article itself. Um, Quote, public nuisance legislation was central to state lawsuits against the tobacco industry over the damage caused to public health by smoking in the 1990s. The laws are also at the heart of some litigation against fossil fuel companies over the climate crisis and emerging lawsuits against companies that failed to adequately protect workers from COVID. They have also resulted in drug manufacturers and distributors paying out hundreds of millions of dollars to cities and other authorities for their part in the opioid crisis that has claimed about 800,000 lives. On Friday, the advertising company Publicis Health agreed to a $350 million settlement with U.S. states that sued the company under public nuisance laws for promoting the high-strength painkiller that kicked off the opioid epidemic, OxyContin, to doctors with false claims about its safety. But in an attempt to limit authorities and others harmed by the actions of big business from seeking redress, Corporations are using groups such as ALEC and the U.S. Chamber of Congress. I'm sorry. Corporations are using groups such as ALEC and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce to push state legislatures to pass laws to curb similar legal actions in the future. It goes on to say Mary Grafham, the Director of State Affairs and Research for the legal group, the American Association of Justice, warned that the legislation would strip away rights for local governments and other entities such as hospital districts and Native American tribes to hold corporations to account. And um, Grafham is quoted, quote, because municipalities have successfully held corporations accountable for causing catastrophic harms such as the opioid crisis and environmental pollution, these companies are now turning to front groups like ALEC and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce to push laws that would give them complete immunity for their future bad acts, she said, end quote. It goes on to say the model legislation, quote, was unveiled by Alex Civil Justice Task Force at the organization's national meeting in December 2020, where Big Pharma and other corporate interests were well represented. The attendees included senior executives of the drug industry lobby group uh, PHRMA and Neil Pratt, head of international legal affairs for, the Phar for pharmaceutical research and manufacturers of America. The model, end quote, here's an listen to this one line, quote, the model legislation significantly limits the basis of public nuisance claims, specifically banning them for cases, quote, based on the manufacturing, distributing, selling, labeling, or marketing of a product, regardless of whether the product is defective. The law would also bar claims over any product that, quote, endangers the health, safety, or welfare of the public at large or has caused injury to one or more members of the public, end quote. 
Do you hear that? They want this legislation passed the state level so that if they manufacture, distribute, sell, label, or market a product, and the product is defective, too bad, you can't sue them. And they also want to bar any claims that if the product endangers the health, safety, or welfare of the public or has caused injury to one or more members of the public, again, you can't sue them. And the justice of this is where? Nowhere. Nowhere. This is totally illegitimate. Okay? It, and what will happen is corporate attorneys will claim this is, quote, tort reform. No, what it is is basic, basically stopping any sort of democrat, democratic revival and holding corporations responsible. You know, you can't have it both ways. Corporations claim that they are persons with all the rights and privileges of a citizen, of a person. But at the same time, they're claiming that unlike a citizen, you know, if you or I created a product and we're not a corporation and it harms somebody else and we knew it would harm them, we, we would still be prosecuted, but they wouldn't be. Listen to what they're saying. This is really vile. And I wanted you to be aware of it, okay? So now we're going to take a little break here. And then we're going to move on to our Jackass of the Week, and then finally, Randy Rainbow. back. So now, get ready, our jackass of the week. Uh, uh, Welcome to PNN's Jackass of the Week Awards. Rayon, Rayon. You never sounded more intelligent. Oh, I love the sound of this jackass brain. There we go. So this week, our jackass of the week goes to a political wannabe here in Missouri. Her name is Valentina Gomez Noriega, although she builds herself as Valentina Gomez. I don't know if she's, if she's related to the Noriegas or not, but Valentina Gomez Noriega. And her story dovetails, her story of hate dovetails perfectly with the earlier Colorado attack story, okay? Because apparently... Uh, Valentina is running for Secretary of State here in Missouri. And she also not only doesn't like gay and, and trans people, but she hates books. Now, mind you, she has a master's in business administration, and she works for uh, Nestle Corporation here in St. Louis. I don't know if they know about her little video, but it really went viral. So I have this... Um, there's a story from HuffPost, but I also have a story from uh, The Advocate, which is a publication that focuses on LGBTQ plus, you know, issues. And I figured this would piss her off more. Um, and the headline is, quote, Missouri Republican candidate burns LGBTQ plus books with flamethrower and posts a video online. Okay, so... Uh, she's, again, as I said, she's running for the Republican nomination for Secretary of State. 
Now, in the video, she's got this, she's wielding this flamethrower just like one of, uh, one of the Republican, uh, Republican candidates for governor, Bill Eigel. And there's this pile of books. And some of the titles include, uh, quote, Naked, Not Your Average Sex Encyclopedia by Miriam Dugazin Bernier and Queer, Second Edition, The Ultimate LGBTQ Guide for Teens by Kathy Belge. She claims that these books were sourced from a Missouri public library. And what she goes on to say is, when I'm Secretary of State, I will burn all books that are grooming, indoctrinating, and sexualizing our children. MAGA, America first. Let's see if I can get this video. Problems and depression. Some of the most okay. common Sorry about this. I'm trying to get past. I'm trying to get past this. Let's see. Is this the video? I don't think so. Here it is. I'm trying to get it. Anyway, she's wielding this flamethrower. And in the video, she claims, quote, this is what I will do to the grooming books when I become Secretary of State. Uh, you know, once again, this is so asinine. You don't have to go any further than this. Now, some of the information I got about this woman, she's 24 years old. How anybody can be so hateful at such a young age is beyond me. Um, according to Ballotpedia, again, this woman, she's not going to make it because there are better funded uh, candidates, but again, uh, see, she has a bachelor's degree from Central Connecticut State in 2019. She has a graduate degree from Tulane University A.B. Freeman School of Business in 2020, so she's not uneducated. Uh, list religion Christian, okay. Um, there are questions that she had to ask. Who are you? Tell us about yourself. And apparently it says, quote, Valent this is according to Ballotpedia, quote, Valentina is a real estate investor, financier, strategist, and former NCAA division swimmer, embodying the principles of determination and persistence. Her family's immigration journey to the United States reflects her deep-rooted connections to the fundamental American Principles of Safety, Progress, and Hope. Um, it goes on to say she has an MBA in Finance and Strategy from Tulane University. She manages multi-million dollar investments. Um, and it also says, quote, beyond her financial acumen, Valentina is on a mission to combat political corruption within Missouri. Okay. She re recognizes the pressing need for change to avert the impending darkness and disparity in the state's future. Um, then she goes on and on and on. Um, they ask her three key messages of her campaign. It just says, make Missouri great again, exposing corruption in time for honesty. And what is she passionate about? Um, one, budget control, evaluation of all spending, revenue, and current contracts. Well, that's typical Republican stuff. They're stingy, okay? God forbid. They want, Republicans want to give money to big, greedy corporations, but God forbid a, a mother gets more than $11 a month in WIC payments. I'm not kidding. She also puts voter machines, voter ID, can't even use the full sentence, prioritize and stimulate economic growth by advocating for policy to incentivize investment, reduce red tape, remove income tax, make Missouri open for business. Okay, uh, revamp and modernize the Secretary of State website, championing uh, capitalism, modernization, and innovation. Number four is where it is at. 
Remove gender ideologies from libraries, school curriculums, and programs for the youth of Missouri while backing our police, fire, and EMS departments. Okay, so basically there's no guesswork here. You know, the woman is a bigot. That's it. There's no, you know, it is what it is. So, you know, for that and so much more, we're going to go back here. Let me go back to our audio. Okay. So for that and so much more, Valentina Gomez Noriega has received TNN Jackass of the Week Award. Rayon, Valentina, you bigoted bitch. Rayon. Yes, I said a bad one. Okay. All righty. So now we're going to move on. End of our show. We're going to end with a little ditty from Randy Rainbow. Okay. I, I love my Randy. Okay. You know, he's just so clever, okay? So this one, uh, since you can't see the video, I, I want to make sure you understand all of it. So this is Randy Rainbow from 2019. So Trump is still in office. But it fits the moment right now because lately, you know, evangelicals have made Trump to be like Jesus. It's unbelievable. I, I know that they're, they're so stupid. It's beyond belief. But this is Randy Rainbow from 2019. And this video is dubbed Cheeto, as in, you know, Cheeto Orange, Cheeto Christ, Stupid Czar. So with no further ado, I will play this. Well, it is a special day indeed, as I am joined now by the divine Miss T, our Lord and Savior, King of the Jews. Uh, am I leaving anything out? Brilliant, great, don't push it. Donald Trump, you have had a busy few days. Uh, G7 meetings, ongoing trade wars with China, bed bugs. Fake news. You also sent out a controversial tweet saying that you are the king of Israel and uh, told a group of reporters that you are the chosen one. How you doing? You okay? The news about me is largely phony. Mr. Not My President. You're acting quite bizarre, ruling like a loon behind your Twitter avatar. Of all your recent antics, this latest one's a pearl. Now it seems you think you're God. Okay, whatever, girl. Your crazy dental display wish you'd just go away. Why are you still talking? It's making me nauseous. 
Everything you say is bullshit. Yes, everything's lies. I don't think anybody's done more than me. Close your mouth, close your mouth, and delete all your social media.
and I do mean everybody. And if God forbid that monster gets Trump gets back in office, we have to be ready, yeah, to fight, but fight legally. That means, at least for right now, we still have the right to bear arms, just like the Trumpers do. But also, get ready to organize and implement a massive series of general strikes where everything's shut down, except maybe emergency medical service and emergency fire and nothing else. And let the rich watch their stock just plummet. Okay? Make them take out their own damn trash. There's nothing, they can't make us work or even a work slowdown. Don't cooperate no matter what. Because these people would turn this into a dictatorship. Trump isn't joking when he says he'd love to be a dictator for life. He's serious. And these religious fundamentalists, especially Christian fundamentalists, fundamentalists, they are that nuts. They can have their damn religious liberty, but they can't impose their beliefs on everyone else. And that's what they're doing. This is a war. Make no mistake about it. I would maintain the Civil War never truly ended. This is the rise of the neo-Confederacy, pure and simple. And like during Hitler's day, and no, it's not histrionic to compare the two, look at all the groups that the Trumpers hate. They hate anyone who's not Christian or their brand of Christian fundamentalists. They hate Jews, but they claim to love Israel. That's weird, okay? Um, they hate the LGBTQ community. They hate women that dare to claim to be feminists. In, in other words, human beings. Um, they hate intellectuals. They hate teachers. They hate scientists. Okay, these are all the same groups that Hitler attacked. So let's knock the let's cut this crap out. There's no such thing as a nice Trumper. That's ludicrous. There are cowardly Trumpers that are fine with somebody remaining silent when somebody else does the dirty work for them, knowing full well that you know they've got that white privilege. That's all it is. You know, we have to stop tolerating this. We won't start the fight, but we need to finish it. Seriously. I hope you learned something from this show. With that, I say good night and God bless us by whatever you believe in because we're going to need it. <laughs>